Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Friday night service. You were not at the Friday night service. Okay, good. For those of you who were, I'm going to get a, a um, synopsis of what we shared on Friday night because it's the foundation of what I want to lay this morning. I'm going to do it with a completely different spirit. I want to do it more with a, a teaching spirit, if you will. How important is it for us to recognize what we have to give society and what we have to give in our own marriage and to give in our family. I've been a pastor now for 27 years. And in those 27 years, you would be surprised the number of Christians that I hear complaining, the number of Christians who are negative the number of Christians who see the negativity in things. And it's all because they don't realize who they are in Christ. I was given in the theme Riverbound. And so I started with the idea that there's a river at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. And there's a river in the New Jerusalem. But I want to point out a fact that's very important. When God designed before there was sin in the world, God had designed and created a garden for man. But God made sure that he had every provision for man in that garden. The Bible says that God was in Eden and God made the garden on the east end of Eden. But the Bible also tells us that in Eden was the mountain of God. And then it says the river went out from Eden. So in other words, the river would go out from the mountain of God. Why? To water the garden. That river was going to promote life and that river was going to sustain life. Today I want to talk about a river, but I want us to see how God thinks. And I want us to be able to appreciate the river that God has put within us and why he's done that. We go clear to the very back of the book and we find in the very back of the book this new heaven and this new earth. But coming down out of heaven, there was this city called the New Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And in that city, we find a river. You have to ask yourself, why is this so important to God to open his book and let us see that there's a river that waters this garden and then to close his book and let us to see at the consummation of all things where this bride is going to gather, there too will be a river. And the Bible says it was a pure river of the water of life. And it proceeded, listen to this now, from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now that's important. That's important for us to see that the water in Eden 
came from the mountain of God or came from the presence of God and the very water in the new Jerusalem is going to proceed from God, the throne of God and the Lamb. And people were going to be able to drink freely of that water and that water was a river of life. Listen to that word now, please. A river of life. So then you go in between into the body of the book and sure enough, you find rivers. In the millennial kingdom, there was also a river that actually came from under the threshold of the temple. In, in the millennial kingdom, it's a thousand year reign when Jesus will come back literally and reign upon this earth, okay, in Jerusalem for a thousand years. But in that temple, and this temple is going to be bigger than all the other temples because Prior to the temple being built, there's going to be massive earthquakes and there's going to be a change in the, uh, the topology of the land. But the Bible says from beneath the threshold of that temple, water goes out and it goes down into a valley and it goes down into the Dead Sea. Now you have to ask yourself the question, why is that so important to God? Why is it so important for God to put this in his word? That even in the millennial kingdom and during that time there still be sin in the world. Satan has not yet been cast uh, into the lake of fire. At this particular time he'll be in the abyss. But he's not completely done away with. The Dead Sea is a salt sea. And it's dead because there's nothing that grows there. And yet, from Jerusalem, from the very presence of God, there will start this trickling of water. And this trickling of water will then end up going down to the Dead Sea, and wherever the water goes, it will bring life. Okay, now listen to me. Because I know in all of my years of being a Christian how I struggled as a young man in Christ. I used to be one of those people that would walk into the church and think, if these people knew what I was thinking, they wouldn't even let me be in this church. As a young Christian, I struggled with lust, I struggled with anger, I struggled with strife, I struggled with all kind of things that was within me and I could never understand if I'm a Christian, why? I thought once Jesus came into your life, I shouldn't have to deal with all of these issues. And I couldn't talk to anybody about them because I was afraid if I admitted that, they would give me one of these looks <laughs> and tell me not to come back. But as a pastor over all of the years, I come to find out that we've all struggled with those things. Every single person you see, we were babes in Christ when we first started. And the Bible says we go on to maturity. I want you to see today the power of God's water. I want you to be able to see that no matter how dead the Dead Sea was, it didn't make any difference to God. The deadness of the Dead Sea was not a concern to God because God knew how much life was in his water. 
Now that's important for us to understand. It's important for us to understand as Christians, are we going to be able to trust in God? Are we going to be able to trust that God can take this vessel, if you will, who lived in sin, a vessel that he purchased, a vessel that he cleansed, a vessel that he that belongs to him, a vessel that he sanctified, which means he, he purified, and a vessel that he filled with his Holy Spirit. Can I trust that God would take this vessel and transform it? Can I trust in the power of God's water, no matter how dead this vessel was, because we were all dead in our trespasses and sin, no matter how much I struggled, I went, and I'm serious when I say this, I went to several pastors to try to talk to them about my problem. It didn't make sense to me. How can I be a Christian and these things still consumed my thoughts? And there was not a one of them that could answer me. I was so frustrated you know, we talk about freedom, we sing songs about freedom, and we stand up here and we dance, but sometimes when we go home and look in the mirror and you feel like a hypocrite because you say to yourself, I'm not as free as I was pro pretending to be. You know what I'm saying? And we find that in this vessel that somehow was made alive, it's like there's still death. And if not death, maybe we wouldn't call it death. There's just something worthless in there. <laughs> and so we cry out to God. I went to these pastors, and the only answer I get was, you just need to rebuke Satan. I'll tell you, I was a young man. I was an arrogant young man. And I had three kids in my the back seat of my car, my three boys. And there I am rebuking Satan because somebody told me to rebuke Satan. And if I rebuke Satan once, I rebuke Satan and I'm not exaggerating a thousand times because I wanted to be free. But there's something about the water. The scripture says, that wherever the waters would go, they would bring healing. The scripture says, everything will live wherever the river goes. And listen to this. And the trees along this river will bear fruit every month because the water flows from the sanctuary. There's a couple of things that I need to bring out here. So far, when we talked about the water, we talked about the presence of God. As a man of God, as a man who's walked with the Lord for over 35 years, who's been pastoring for over 27, if I'm to leave you with anything today, my word to you would be, seek God. Draw near to God. And if you have to spend the rest of the days of your life, every breath that you have, finding him, 
and drawing near to him to where you know, not pretend, you know that God is near to you, then spend it. Then spend it. Because it will be worth knowing. There's a scripture in the Old Testament in Psalm 36, and it talks about there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Prior to that verse, it talks about chaos and how mountains will be falling into the sea and how the seas will be roaring. But yet, when the scripture comes, we find peace there because that river is on God's holy mountain. And there we go, the water and the presence of God. But at the very end of Psalm 46, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Now listen to me, please. I've experienced what I'm preaching. This is life. We struggle. But I'm going to show you here now that you and I have been called to take the waters of life to the dead places of this earth. And somewhere along the line, we've got to be able to be transformed by God to where we start to see differently and we start to think differently, that we're no longer beating ourselves up. We're trusting that God is able to do what he promised he would do, and so our eyes now are upon the Lord, not upon our weaknesses. Because we know that if somehow we draw close to God, the water will do the work that needs to be done. And then as the water does its work, as we draw close to God, we literally start to know the heart of God. And we go from the presence of God to fulfill his purpose. And now we take that water to the world. And I'll show you what that means in just a minute. It's so important. If you're one of those people that's standing back there, I understand I've been there, you know, where you're jumping up and down, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And then you're saying, well, I really would like to be free. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You got to know what I'm talking about. We're all in the same boat. I just happen to be a little older than you. I got the shirt that says, done that. Been there, done that. <laughs> I'm wearing it. Friday night, he gave me one of the best introductions I've ever had. Now, I'm telling you, at the end of the introduction, you would have sworn it was God the Father, <laughs> Bishop Tom, and the Holy Spirit. And I thought, you know, if my wife hadn't been sitting here, I was going to walk up on that stage and say, Yeah. Yeah, that's how I am. But the problem was, I got to preach in front of my wife. And if there's anybody that knows me better than myself, it's her. And I thought, you know what's awesome? And, and I've got to, I got to tell you, and I, uh, this message, as I was preparing it for the last four months, there were several times she said, you're different. There's something different about you. And I'm telling you what's different when we get into this message. This message has changed me. 
And let me tell you why. Now, you would think by my age, <laughs> you know, I'm a slow learner. But as I was preparing this message and I started to see it was God that watered the garden. It was God that brought forth the water in throughout eternity. It was God that brought the, the water in the millennial kingdom. And it's God that will cause the water to rise up inside of us. Why am I struggling with things that I don't need to be struggling with? Why is my mind on areas that they don't need to be? Can I truly trust in this God that I've been serving for all of these years? Can I truly trust in him? And you may sit there and say, you mean you don't? Yes, I do. But there's still things in my own life, in my own heart. I, I can't tell you that I'm a hundred percenter. I'm not back like I was 35 years ago. But here's what I found. Just draw near to God. Whatever that means to you at this point in your life. Because it could mean something different to each one of you sitting here. I know what it means to me. Draw near to God. The woman at the well, you remember that story in John chapter 4? That woman had been with five different men. She'd been married five different times, and the man that she was with now was not her husband. That didn't make any difference to Jesus. You know, sometimes you carry the guilt of your past and that just messes you up. Jesus said to her, she, she said, he, he said, give me a drink. And he said, if you would have simply asked me for water. And he said it to this woman, to this particular woman. See, it doesn't make any difference who we are, folks. It doesn't make any difference where we've come from. This Jesus has paid a price for us, for every one of us. And his blood cleanses us to the max. And it will continue to cleanse us until we day we die. And his blood covered over the sins. And because of his blood, we've been set apart by him. And we've been set apart so that he could fill us with his Holy Spirit. He said, the water that I give you will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, I, I, I want to ask you this now, because this has to be true. We've got to be careful that we don't try to get ahead of ourselves. You know, I've been coaching hurdles for 20, 20 years, hurdlers. I got this young man right now that... Um, I've had 10 hurdlers in 20 years go to state. And I got another hurdler right now that right on the verge. And when he started to go over these hurdles, <laughs> I thought, oh, my goodness. I had promised his dad that I'd make a hurdler out of him. He was a distance runner. And then I got into the hallways, and he started going over the hurdles. And I thought, oh, my. What am I going to tell his dad I'm not kidding you. 
I actually lost a couple nights sleep over it. He was that bad. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to tell his dad anything. As a matter of fact, I'm not telling him anything. I just ignored him. I, I tried to explain to him what to do. And it seemed like the more that I explained, the harder he would try. I'm talking about Christianity now. The more that I would tell him what to do and what I was telling him what to do was right. But it seemed like the more I told him, the harder he would try. And the harder he tried, the worse he got. I couldn't ignore him totally. But you know what I did? I ignored him. Partially. And by the end of his freshman year, he was out there. He was determined. He was determined because I said he would be a hurdler. And by the end of his year, he started to look like a hurdler. And last year, he went to the regionals, which is one step away from state. So what's my point? My point is we can flail about as Christians, as young Christians, and wonder where God is. And then you can try to put yourself under the law, start making rules and regulations for yourself to live by. And the more you impose rules upon yourself, the farther away you're going to feel that you are from God. Because you're going to fail. But Jesus said here, there's a water that he would give us. And we're going to learn that that water is his Holy Spirit. Jesus not only shed his blood that our sins could be forgiven and taken away, but Jesus was also the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew that you and I could not walk this life without the fullness of his Holy Spirit. It's not possible. So he says to her, the woman at the well, for goodness sakes, that if you'd only asked me to drink, boy, what I have for you. And then he said to her, and this river, it's going to well up inside of you. It's like a fountain. So I asked a couple questions today. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And then I asked you this next question. If you've received the Holy Spirit, have you taken time to get alone with the Lord? Listen, we're living in a society. I've never seen it like this where people are so busy, busy, busy. My own son, just one of them. I got three. I got 12 grandchildren. Speaking of busy, <laughs> well, we're not getting busy. Here and there, and we got this basketball game and that basketball game and this basketball game, and then we've got this and this and this, and, and, and the next thing you know, where's the time for Jesus? Then the next thing you know, well, where's the river? Where's the river? Where's the water? And isn't it amazing that somebody who can be born again, somebody who's literally saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, can feel dry? Oh boy, have I been there throughout my life many times. And we're afraid to say anything to anybody because we're afraid nobody else has gone through this. Oh, for goodness sakes, please, would you please just help somebody where you're at? Tell your pastor. 
Because I can guarantee you, your pastor has been through the very same thing that you've been through. We're no different, folks. But what we need is a spiritual understanding. Just because you get filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that, man, you're going to be perfect. You're going to go on to maturity. But you need to stay close to God. Because remember, the water that brought life always flowed from the presence of God. So, anyhow, on the Feast of Tabernacle, which is the last feast of the year of the a Jewish feast, and it was one of the three feasts that everybody had to go to. And so what they would do is they would go down to the pool of Siloam and they would take this golden urn and they would dip water out of that pool and then they would come back in the ceremony and they would empty out that water upon the altar. And there was a hole there that they had poured in. And as they were doing that, here's what they were saying. Therefore, with joy... You will draw water from the wells of salvation. And the word literally in, in, in uh, Hebrew means from the wells of Yeshua. Yeshua. And there was Yeshua. So on the very last day of the feast, as they were doing this, you could just see it. You could just see the waters welling up in him. He couldn't take it anymore because he knew that this prophecy was about him. And he stood up on that day and said, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Now listen to this. And out of his belly, out of his innermost being, out of the core of who he is, this person who is thirsty, will flow what? Rivers. Rivers of what? Living water. There it is, folks. There it is. Now listen, if you catch this, this is what has changed me so radically. I understand even more now who I am than I have in the past. Because if God in the period of Eden was going to provide water from his presence, and God in the New Jerusalem was going to provide water, and God in the Millennial Kingdom was going to provide water, God is going to provide water For the earth right now. And he's going to do it through his children. People say we're waiting for revival. And I say well let it out. Let it out. What do you mean you're waiting for revival? Let it out. But can I say something here please? And and, and I've been there. So I, I, I know what I'm talking about. You have a very difficult time letting the water flow if you're still struggling with whether the fountain's on or not. Am I right? Well, I, I, I couldn't do that. You know what? You, you don't just go do it. It just happens. Now watch this. So here's what I want you to see. He promised the woman at the well that it would be like a fountain Then he says, out of you if you're thirsty. But listen, I I read a story about a midshipman and and he got knocked overboard and it was hours later before 
they realized he was knocked overboard. So they actually went back to find him, but after whatever it was, 24 hours, I, I, I can't remember the story right now, but whatever period of time it was, they, they gave up search. 72 hours later, he was picked up by a Japanese fishing boat or fish, fishing boat. When he was picked up, his tongue was all swollen and it was cracked. His throat was parched. When they brought him in and they finally recovered somewhat, they said, what were you thinking about? What, how did you survive 72 hours in the ocean? You know what he said? I wasn't thinking about anything other than I'm thirsty. See, when you come to a place in your life that what really consumes you is thirst. Now you understand when Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty. Now please, I, I hope you'll walk out of here today and you truly get something about how real this life is. Please, I beg you, don't get so caught up with life, this life, that you miss, and I don't mean you're going to miss out on eternal life. I mean you miss the life that's within you. Come to that place. See, when you're so busy with this life down here, to be honest with you, you don't realize how thirsty you are. But when it finally hits you how thirsty you are, and with that kind of thirst, you come to Jesus and you drink. And you drink more. And you continually drink. And the fountain that comes within you is the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me then drink. And this he spoke of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is. So think about this now. And I, because of time, I'm not going to have to be able to go into detail, but I, I, please think about what I'm saying. I am telling you that the Holy Spirit brings life. And I'm telling you there is nothing too dead for God's Holy Spirit. Nothing too dead. And I am telling you that there is no circumstance, no matter how negative it appears, that the Holy Spirit can't bring life to. All right, now, this was so important to me. Because it's very easy to be negative. It's very easy to see a certain circumstance, and when you speak into it, you don't necessarily speak life. Well, if it's not life, what is it? <laughs> it's death. But when are we going to realize that if we spend time with God, and that's the key, folks, spending alone time with God, no matter whatever that means to you now, but the more you spend time with God and the more that the, the Holy Spirit rises up as a fountain inside of you, that stuff flows from you. It just flows. You, you don't have to go out and say, well, I'm going to go witness today. No, you know what? It flows. You go and it flows. As a matter of fact, the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, see, I just, I just put another peg into this. If your body's a temple, well, the, the river ran beneath the threshold of the temple. Now he says your body is a temple. And I call it a mobile temple. In other words, wherever I go, 
I got God in me both to will and to work. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory, and I have the Holy Spirit within me. So as I draw near in close proximity to God with my life, then wherever I go as a temple, the water's going to flow from me. And it's life. There are so many people outside those doors that need you. It's not positive thinking. See, there's no freedom in positive thinking. We're talking about where there's death and now we need life. See? Where there's death, it's the Holy Spirit that brings life and only the Spirit. It's not even you. You're just that vessel. That's all you are. You were once a vessel where sin led you. Now you're a vessel where the Holy Spirit is leading you. And what comes forth from you is life. Now it's so important to understand that, folks, because, because sometimes if you don't understand the concept, you, you can just say something and it seems so trivial. But what did I tell you about the water that came forth from beneath the threshold of the temple? It was just like a trickle. But then they went a thousand feet and they went to their ankles, they went another thousand, went up to their knees, they went another thousand to their waist, went another thousand, and, and it, they couldn't, they had to swim in it. You see, if you truly understand what a relationship with God is all about, and you let the water well up inside of you, that water will change you. Okay, it will, guaranteed, has to. You don't have to sit around and, and like I did for all of those years and be worrying about what am I going to do with this and what am I going to do with this and what am I going to do with this, how those people won't let me in the church. And you know, the more I drew near to God, God just dealt with all of those things. I don't have those same issues that I had because God dealt with them. All right, let me... So what do you do? How do we, how do we let this water out? One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, when Jeremiah, God was speaking to Jeremiah, and he said this, if you return, now there's, there's a lot of people that do not believe that God was speaking to Jeremiah. They believe that he was speaking to the nation of Israel. But many commentaries say, no, he was speaking to Jeremiah. And the reason is, is Jeremiah had an attitude. Jeremiah was called from the womb, set apart to prophesy to the nation. And Jeremiah, at this point, had been prophesying. He'd been speaking the word of God. But in the meantime, because he was speaking the word of God, people didn't want to listen to him, and they had conspired to kill him. And then God was saying how he was going to bring judgment upon this nation because of their sin, and Jeremiah hadn't seen it. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah saw these people prosper. So Jeremiah comes to God, and here's what he says. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? And why are those happy who deal so treacherously? And then he went on to complain to God. And, and God, I love this, folks. I love this. 
God said, if you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? Don't we all want to be babied? <laughs> oh, come on, Pastor. Come on, say something nice to me today. You know, and it's like, you know, no, we've been set apart. We've been set apart by God. Does anybody, has, you, has it hit you yet? I, I am telling you, I, I've known for years, and when I say I'm special, I don't mean I'm special. I mean the fact that God has chosen me, that's special, that's precious. Well, if he's chosen me and set me apart, then it's time for me to set myself apart to do what he's called me to do. And that's the same word for everyone in here. So as soon as we start to go out and do what we believe God's called us to do and things start to fall apart, we complain to God. And what I love about God is he just said, hey, hey, you ain't seen anything yet. If you can't handle this, what are you going to do? <laughs> so I think sometimes as Christians, we, we need to see that. And then here's what he said. This is my favorite verse. He said to Jeremiah, if you return, you know what? Get rid of your attitudes toward me. Get, get rid of your attitudes of what you think life should be all about, would you? I've set you apart. Listen, and you have. But if you return to me, I'll bring you back. Now watch, and you'll stand before me. And we've been saying that all along, haven't we? Watch. If you take out the precious from the worthless, you'll be as my mouth. As I close here today, I want you to know something. God has put something so precious to him in each and every one of us. And if you will extract, if you will understand what it is that God has put within you, and you will go in that direction, then you'll be as his mouth. Why do we say that? Because most of us, let me say some of us, our flesh will rise up. We have within us our flesh and now the spirit of God. I don't need to tell you, but the flesh is worthless. Nothing of the flesh will make it. But we have the spirit and that's what's precious. And if you will start paying attention to the difference when your flesh starts to rise up and you realize, no, I realize the difference. You see, there was gold nuggets in the sand and I was to pick out the gold and leave the sand there. The sand is worthless. I give no thought to the sand because that's not what life's all about. Life is about the gold nuggets. So I go and I pick up the gold nuggets. Well, if I keep separating them out, then one day all I've got is gold nuggets here. Where's the sand? Well, it was over there. Why? Because I chose to separate. I chose to extract the precious from the vial. Many times, and I bet most of you in here have gone through something. It's kind of like an olive. 
they weren't interested in the olive. They were interested in the oil that was in the olive. See, that's how we are. We're like a bunch of olives on a tree. But God is saying, no, I didn't design you to stay on the tree. See, I want the oil from you. I want the anointing. I want the Holy Spirit that's in you. And so what would they do? They would go out and they would shake the tree to get the olives to fall. And I don't know if any of you have ever gone through some shakings in your life. And then what olives didn't fall, they would take this thing and beat the tree. I mean, it's bad enough to be shaken by life, let alone to be beat. And God's doing this. The hand of God is in this. Why? Because he knows there's olive oil. He needs the oil. He needs the oil, folks. This county needs the oil. Your family needs the oil. And sometimes we wonder, why are we going through these shakings? Why are we being beaten? And then when we do fall off the tree, we hit the ground and we're all bruised. And we think, whew, I'm glad that's not over. But somebody comes and picks you up and they take you to the grinding mill. And there you are, just laying there and here comes the stone. the stone crushes you. But have you ever learned that in the midst of being crushed you learn something new about yourself. There was something in you that you had never seen or recognized before and the oil starts to come out. That's what God has wanted all along. He wanted the oil to flow forth from that olive because that oil was used in the presence of God. But the stone didn't stop at one time. I had a woman at our church just a couple years ago. She said to me, Pastor, I was sitting here cleaning these tiles and I saw the grinding stone come over me. Oh man, I knew what that meant. I said, listen, you're going to go through some things. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? said, just listen, you're going to go through some things. But when you go through them, I said, I will remind you of the stone. And I will remind you that what's in you and what God's doing is precious. She lost her husband within a year. And she lost her son within another year. on this 
because these are life circumstances that we go through and every one of us go through these circumstances but what I do want to tell you is the spirit of God that he has put within you is life and it was never intended to stay within you it was intended to go forth from you so wherever you are this day no matter what you're going through in life know this there is a river that can bring peace and joy in the midst of the storm there is a God who will draw near in the midst of your storm and there is a God who will use the storm to cause that water to flow and bring life and peace and joy to others. My last scripture is this. When Jesus had received the Holy Spirit, he went back to his hometown said this he took the scroll of the book he opened to Isaiah 61 and he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me you know what that Lord word anointing means it means he's consecrated me he has set me apart for a particular function and I tell you today the spirit of the Lord is upon you and you know why because the Lord has anointed you and you know why because there's captives out there that need to be set free there's people out there who are blind that need to have their eyes open there are people out there in prison and even though Jesus has unlocked the prison door, when the Holy Spirit rises up inside of you, you then see to go and help them out. The door's open. And you're telling them the door's open, but they're so comfortable in that lifestyle. That's all they've ever known. And if they step outside, even if they step outside the bondage of sin, it will be an, an experience that they've never known and in their comfort zone. So sometimes when you're anointed and you go and you open the doors, that anointing causes you to go inside and grab them by the hand and walk them out and if need be, stay by their side until they learn how to live this life. That's the anointing. That's the anointing that every one of us has received because we've been thirsty. That's the anointing that wells up in us first before it goes out. So today, if you're sitting here and you can say, Pastor, I can't tell you that I feel that fountain, then my word to you would be this. Be still know that I am God take some of the time that you're so busy with and come to the
the Lord.